Hello and welcome to How to Start Up, a podcast for anyone starting a company. This is a collection of conversations with people who have all successfully started, run and even sold their own companies, sharing not only professional but personal experiences on what we should be doing now, next or never. Today we're joined by Sheena Batessa, founder of Citizen Femme, the luxury travel guide for women and one of the UK's leading travel publications. Born from Sheena's love of travelling and growing up within the hotel industry, Citizen Femme curates the ultimate in travel, style, culture and beauty. Alongside her role at Citizen Femme, Sheena also works both as an actor and a producer. Today, Sheena shares her advice on the importance of your team around you, adapting your business as it grows and knowing what your strengths are. Thank you, Sheena, so much for your time today. It's wonderful to have you on How to Start Up. It would be great if you could give us a brief introduction as to who you are and a bit about the business that you started. Of course. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be on the the podcast. So my name is Sheena Batessa. I am the founder and editor of Citizen Femme, the magazine. I'm also an actor and a producer. That's quite a lot of hats. When did you start Citizen Femme? We're coming up to year five, year six, I think it is. It seems to have gone very quickly. And of course, COVID smacked us in the middle. But we're, say, year six now. And the goal is, and we are, the go-to digital destination for women who love to travel and style. And it's all about recreating luxury. So I guess the question is, what is luxury? And for us, it very much means time and how we want to spend it memorably. So what sort of content do you produce for your readers? We're only online and we're daily. Anything from hotel guides, travel tips. It started actually as very much a travel publication. This is where we want to go. This is where we recommend. And this is what we're packing because I would find that me and women I know would only really shop when they wanted to travel partly because of the buzz of getting excited to go away or the need and wouldn't really go otherwise. But it's, oh my God, I'm going to Paris for the weekend. I'm going to this restaurant. What do I wear? That's such a good point. I've traveled so much and I cannot pack a suitcase to save my life. So this is a go-to resource for that. So it's meant to be helpful there. And then that's kind of grown into, we're an innately nosy people. And that's, of course, why social media does so well. So what does that brilliant woman do? And where does she want to travel? And what advice does she have? And if I'm traveling with a kid, where's good? (laughs) Where's got a good kids club? What do I need? What are the essentials? Anything that we as female travelers would find incredibly useful that you would ultimately go to your best friend for advice. Oh, this is really interesting. A lot of people have said in the podcast, when you start a company, you need to be fixing someone, your future client's problem. So did you find that there wasn't this resource out there and that's why you started? So that was exactly it. I mean, I've grown up in the travel industry, so I have a basic understanding of travel and I'm a traveler, so a customer. And I went on a trip with a bunch of girlfriends. We went to Istanbul. We stayed in a hotel, which I won't name. But I just thought, why would I stay here again? And this does not satisfy my requirements, nor location, nor depth. I mean, at the time, it was simple things like lighting in the bathroom and plug points and all of those kind of things. And I thought, well, where would I actually go for that advice? I'd ask a friend who'd been there who could say, actually, I think you'd really Mm. like this place. Mm. And I used to work in PR and travel PR as well. And I know also how it often works with magazines. And it's very much press trip based or relationship based. Who would I really ask? Mm. Where would I go? And that's basically where it came from. Who is my best friend I can go to to really help me to make all those trips memorable? And women are really big decision makers when it comes to travel. Certainly for ourselves, we solo travel. We travel with mums. We travel with girlfriends. We, you know, travel for business. So we're a huge market that we're talking to. 
and a really spendthrift market where we'll spend a little bit more for something a bit better. Our podcast is very much the premise if someone's thinking about starting a company or in their very early stages, what to do now, next or never. Do you have some advice anchored around the now? What was your first thing you did when you started Citizen Femme? I needed a new laptop. So I bought a new laptop <laughs> and I just kind of jumped straight in. I yeah, I thought of the name I think maybe in the shower or something. And I bought the domain. And then uh, I just reached out to a bunch of friends who I thought were brilliant or are brilliant in their own right, whether they're interior designers or actors or full-time mums or looking for their next job, bankers, you know, whatever they do. And just said, would you like to write about a restaurant you went to or that last trip you went on or anything that I think people would find interesting to read? And I just had no business plan, no strategy, nothing. And I just jumped straight in. Citizen Femme is really that word of mouth, that next best. If you can't ask your friend, you've got Citizen Femme as your guidance to be able to find that travel advice that you really need. That's exactly what we are. And now it's grown very much into interview base so it's not just travel and COVID accelerated that actually because of course travel was off the cards and there's only so much you can write about armchair travel and bucketless travel yeah. but our online shopping presence really grew so people were shopping much more they were looking for book advice they were looking for beauty lifestyle interviews with women so the whole kind of lifestyle cultural other side of it developed much more so it's very much 50-50 split between travel and lifestyle now. What signaled you to move into that diversification of your content? It was just people reading it. We work with affiliates a lot. And every time I'll work with them, I say, look, I can't guarantee sales because we are a magazine and so we can give mm. you awareness and I can guarantee you eyes, but I can't guarantee they're going to click through my site and buy something. They may go, oh, I saw that on that publication the other day. I'm going to pop into Selfridges and have a look. We mm. saw shopping accelerate. I went, oh, that's really interesting. And we never had so many sales on the website before. So I think that made us go, okay, well, let's write about self-care, address this. And then that's really where that pivot from. But I think it's really interesting because I think you obviously were analysing your traffic and looking at your data and so many founders are like, well, well, you're in communications. What do you care about numbers? It's like, it's everything. Data is king. Do you advise founders to really pay attention to that? You have to see what's working and what isn't. I have to admit, I'm not very good at all of that. But if you're breaking your back at writing about all this kind of stuff and no one's reading it, what's the point? So you have to see what people are consuming. And there are two particular articles on our site, which is bizarre and slightly unnerving that they're the most well-read articles. One is vintage shopping in Japan. Who would have thought? Yeah. And the other one is nude spas in Amsterdam. How funny. It's the weirdest thing. And I'm like, I mean, is someone searching for that? Are they stumbling upon it? What keywords are they putting in? I don't really know. But outside of that, of course, you have to analyze your data and shift what you're doing, as long as it's within your ethos and your goal and your vision, to what someone is enjoying and consuming. Given so many people struggle with finding the right people, and I kind of know until someone gets going, it's really hard to tell if they're really going to add the value you want them to. Do you have any advice around how to recruit people? I'm terrible at this. I'm the person that falls for packaging. I'll buy a beauty product because the packaging is so beautiful. So it's really difficult and I will fall for someone's pitch very easily. So I've made very costly mistakes in hiring. I'm not mistakes, costly learning curves, better way of putting it, where I've been promised the world and a lot of added value and that return hasn't come. So at least I expect if someone's in a revenue role, at least make back what I'm spending on you. That's bare minimum. But it's been part of the learning. So now I guess questions I ask in an interview may be slightly varied. My expectations, the deliverables that I fine tune at the beginning of a contract are much more stringent. And that's a real big learning curve. Yeah. And it works both ways as well with probation periods because they might not love it themselves and it might not fit yeah. them. And I think a 
lot of people need to be wise to when you're being interviewed, you're also interviewing your future employer. And given that you're five years in and you're wearing all the hats and you're spinning all the plates, what does success look like to you? Success, I think, is a constant moving target. I don't think it it necessarily is a goal because especially as an entrepreneur, once you reach something, you're still going to want more. Are you ever going to go, okay, I'm successful now. I'm happy. For me, success is to be in a position where I can build my business in a way that can manage and I can be on a macro level as opposed to a micro level. It allows me to balance my time more. And now I've become a mum. I think that's accelerated because I just want to spend more time with my kids. At what point did you tip from that micro into that macro? I'm not. I'm very much in micro. I'm gunning for the macro. Um, And for me, it's I'm getting a really, really good team around you, which I think I'm in a good place now, to allow that to happen, who really share a joint vision and can accelerate that, whether that is meeting revenue targets, audience targets, bigger overall goals. That's really important. And also it's learning for me, it's kind of going before I was saying yes to everything because of Mm. a need. That need hasn't gone, but now I'm saying yes to stuff because I think it adds value or because I want it, not because I need it. So taking that breath before you go, yes, 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 you like take that step back and go yeah. consider decision. That might be a brand partner where I'm saying yes to ones just because I, I need the revenue. And not that saying I don't need the revenue, I definitely do need yeah. revenue, but I feel like I'm now able to be more selective. And maybe that's just because the team I have around me now is supporting that goal and I feel confident that they can deliver. It's so true for me. I, I loved it when I started, but I love it so much more now I have brilliant people around me. And today I was joking, saying I learned something about Canva from one of my team members. I was like, oh, I'm learning from you. This is great. And it's just a joy because they get excited about it. They've got the bit between their teeth. They're getting job satisfaction. And I guess if you're a people person, that is part of the job. Mm. But I wouldn't be without them. I I absolutely love them. So yeah, I'm with you completely on that. But interesting with that that macro sort of umbrella view of your business rather than being in the weeds the whole time, it would be so good to get there. I will race you. <laughs> the tortoise of the hair. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's the one thing I learned from my father. It's just having the right team. It is everything. And for me, it's about taking someone on that's better than me at what they do. Mm. Because I'm certainly no expert in everything, barely anything. But if I can learn from someone else because they know what they're doing, great. Then you add that value. It saves me doing that and having to learn. Mm. For, for years of experience that someone else is bringing to a business, which I don't have. So if you're willing to bring that expertise that you worked so hard on for so many years and help me and teach me, I'm in. What challenges have you faced in scaling your digital magazine since you've launched? The biggest challenge is driving audience because without audience, no one's going to spend any money and then you can't drive more revenue. And it's a crowded airspace as well, but you've definitely made that cut through. You're a very well-established brand now in a very short time. Have you got any advice as to how you've built that brand? Thank you. We've got a long way off, but I think the one thing that people always say is, I love what you've created. How do you keep that aesthetic and content consistent? And it's just making sure your goal and the vision is maintained and everybody involved speaks the same language. So your sort of brand identity comes both visually and through your copy as well, I presume. And all of your team members have that same goal. Have you done anything around publicity or PRing your business? We're starting now, but I haven't until now. And that's been the big thing is that we haven't spent any money on PR and I'm rubbish at doing my own (laughs) PR, ironically, having worked in PR. (laughs) And I um, have also not spent any money on advertising. Mm. So it's all grown organically, which is lovely. That's incredible. That's absolutely incredible. And it's obviously, it's proving its worth in the sense that it's genuinely built. Well, given that you're five years in, you have a team around you. How do you manage that weight of responsibility on your shoulders? The biggest fear for me is just paying wages because you've got other people's livelihoods. And, mm. you know, I don't want to be like, hey, guys, we haven't made enough money. I can't pay this month or it's a month late. It doesn't, that doesn't work. And 
There is no. no funding. There is no investment. It is just me. And ironically, it's my acting income that funds this, mm. which is usually the other way around because that's not the most stable of careers. So that is a scary challenge that I've managed so far. And now we're a team of seven. So we're small. Wow, that's substantial though. But growing. It went from two, three to seven in the last three months. Is there any sort of practical tips you give a new founder in managing that weight of responsibility? Make sure you've got more coming in than going out. <laughs> and really make sure, yeah. Really make sure. Just manage your cash flow. Be really clever about cash flow. Again, I'm for an Indian, I'm really bad at math. And I just kind of look at the numbers going, okay, this is what I've got coming on in the next three months, given that probably some of them will be late to pay about two months. Yeah, forward in the next three months. And that's mm-hmm. literally how I've done it. So that pipeline, that mapping, that projection, that forecast. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That goal is for the next six months. And then we're going to get another member for that. And then this is the goal for this month. And then we can increase salaries because everyone's doing so well. Yeah. And then we can grow here. And so it's literally just mapping that three months and then one month and then two years and then five years. Well, there's a reason I guess they call it a balance sheet. <laughs> to balance. Yeah. And it does baffle me actually how some clients pay late. It's like we're all small businesses here. How do you think that's okay? Like, do you have advice on chasing payments or setting up payment terms? You know what? I welcome any advice. It's so disappointing because you're speaking to really big brands who are clearly paying their sales team, they're paying their accountants, they're mm. paying companies to build new stores, yet they can't. It's very, very frustrating and very upsetting. Yeah. So I don't really have a solution for that. And I don't really like to go down a legal route because that things are very fiddly and fussy and expensive. Yeah. When I've had introductory calls with clients, I set out our terms verbally, face to face, eye to eye, say, this is how we work. We are your partner. We're not a service department. We are here to help you and we work as a partnership. And I sort of not read the right act, but very politely say our payment terms are 14 days. There will be this much percentage increase after that. And I am so strict with it. The day it's late, I'm on the case. And someone else said to me once, yeah. try and get people to pay in advance rather than arrears. Obviously that's a tricky one when you're delivering product. Yeah, which is very much what I'm doing now. Everything is in advance. The more I found, the only thing I've learned is the sterner I am and the more blunt I am about it. And I'm not apologetic and never say sorry for something you've not done wrong it's like I'm really sorry to chase but it's like no you're not sorry you're just chasing mm. it's like this is late why <laughs> and people are like okay mm. okay and it, yeah it, it's happened a couple of times but it's it's one of those frustrations that are so many small businesses when they're working with big businesses it's almost the big businesses are more poorly behaved which is as you said very disappointing okay. yes very disappointing what was the best advice that you were given when you started and does it still hold true the best advice i was given as my father is just do it just jump in and that's what i've always done my biggest problem is i'm fearless <laughs> that's not a problem that's great well i mean you fall a lot when you're fearless yeah but it's okay i'm very lucky that i have someone to pick me up if i don't pick up myself which also makes a very big difference yeah that's a big advice. Just try. And have support around you. Yeah, just try. My husband is incredibly supportive. My parents are. Financially, I'm very much independent to make this business grow. Mm-hmm. I don't have that support. And so I need to make it happen. And I do. But emotionally supported, you've got, you know who your network is around you that will be there for you. Yeah, yeah. That, that still stands true. Just try. That's the best advice I've been given. And that's what I've always done. Just try. Yeah. And how do you stay inspired, given that you're at that five-year mark and probably quite tired? <laughs> you have a one-year-old as well. Loving it. I absolutely love what I do. I'm so excited every single day to grow new ideas. It's funny because I was, I've just taken on an incredible new team member who starts in a month and I'm very excited. And she said, it's great because we can do what we want. There's no one saying no. I'm like, yeah, basically (laughs) we are doing what we want. I want you to create what you want. Have fun. Go nuts. Yeah. 
as we stand today, there is no publisher behind us and no investor yet who's saying you can't do that. So we Mm. can have fun. And I'm constantly inspired by that because why not and them having your support in that as well that really positive energy just to keep going for it it's really inspiring so you're inspiring them they're inspiring you it's a virtuous circle wonderful and do you have any advice on managing sort of clients or suppliers team members all those stakeholders i think you've just got to be in terms of your team members you've just got to be constantly inspiring constantly sharing ideas constantly thinking ways to grow and each person has to be Mm. motivated and as the founder and director, I want to make sure they are constantly motivated and enjoying yeah, what they do. Definitely. With regards to pricing, because it's such a tricky thing that so many people get very bashful about and insecure about owning their pricing. What advice would you have for founders around that? Don't undervalue yourself. I'm still learning this. And with superb team member Lucy Harford, who's just joined a month ago. Yes, she's fantastic. She's superb. And we put a proposal together and I said, how about this? And she, she said, what are you? I mean, it should be triple. I went, oh, is that so? Okay, well, are you sure? And I was so nervous because I thought, well, are they going to really? That's quite a lot. And they bit. Yeah. So here I was, I mean, perhaps undervaluing the company that I am building. And she's looking at it from the outside, having just come in going, no, you're undervaluing it. And from her experience, which is bringing her experience mm. to me, which is more than I have. And I've gone, oh, okay, that's interesting. Let's try. Well, it goes back to bringing those external experts who have better experience in some fields yeah. than you do. And yeah. they can show shine that light for you. Yeah. And yeah, I think just being resolute in your pricing and just owning it and not apologizing for it. We're so good at saying sorry for things yeah. we haven't done wrong. <laughs> I don't undervalue and own it. In pitching for new business, given that you'd be going out to brands for advertising potentially or partnerships, what advice would you have for someone in tackling that? I think... This is the same that applies to actually starting a business. How are you adding value to someone's life, to someone's business? If you're not adding value, then it doesn't make sense. So we Mm -hmm. are bringing to you the audience that you are dying to speak to. We've got an audience of women predominantly in their 30s who've got some money to spend. Is Mm -hmm. that the audience you want to speak to? If yes, great, we're for you. If no, don't worry, <laughs> go somewhere else. But that's what we're bringing to you. So we are invaluable to your messaging. Mm. So you're fixing their problem. How do you add value? How can you help them? And that's with any business. How am I adding value to someone's life? If I'm not, or I can't make their life easier somehow, then there's no point in the yeah. business. Totally agree. And given you're focused on female travellers in particular, did you think different perspective that required more attention? Would you launch a Citizen Om at some point? I would love to launch a Citizen Om. So we've actually got Citizen Om font and partly that's just because of me having a a baby and kind of understanding, oh, now I get what it's like to travel with a kid. And who did I ask before? So I don't think it's Citizen Femme or for Mm. female travellers. It needs anything more detailed, but it's more specific. I know what I like to do and I know what I want to try and I know where I want to stay and what kind of hotel I will make me happy for that kind of money. So I think it's just more specific about what we're looking for. And I don't know if you found this, but I find a lot of the stuff I'm doing with our company, we're sort of guinea pigging it on ourselves before we then share it with clients. So us doing a podcast, us doing our own PR, us like looking into various different advertorials, affiliate marketings, anything like that. We sort of test and learn quite a lot, which I think when you find your own problems as a founder before you look at what business it was actually doing you kind of actually find new revenue streams at the same time i find absolutely fascinating (laughs) someone said to me ages ago like just be prepared for the business you start is not going to be the business you're running in five years and you just have to be all right with that i'm like i'm fine i have no idea what i'm doing (laughs) this is great (laughs) and then any last golden nugget pieces of advice that you'd like to offer a new founder 
Don't think, just do. That's my biggest thing is just do it. People are very scared of failure. And I understand that. It's fair. I've tried. I mean, this is not the first business I've tried. I had a dog toy business, which was a disaster. I've done all sorts. But you've got to just try and ask advice. I think also another thing yeah. is don't, don't have ego because that's that's going to be the biggest thing that knocks you is thinking you know it all when you probably don't. I've definitely found having come from a background of Chanel, which is a very, very, very well-established brand, everything was perfect. I've had to be very comfortable with the fact that every day I'm very likely to make mistakes and it's not going to be perfect, but done is better than perfect. So crack on. I remember having interviews. What's your weakness? I'm a perfectionist. Okay, fine, great. Well, I mean, (laughs) perfect. No, perfect is boring. (laughs) And yeah, you don't learn from that either. No, amazing. Thank you so much, Sheena. Would you have a question for our next guest? Sure. I would ask them, what is your best habit and what is your worst? And actually, what's your answer to that question? I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) I don't know the answer to it. I'm a Uh, perfectionist. (laughs) I'm definitely not. (laughs) Yeah, it's funny. We always try and open our Monday calls as a team with our success and failure from the week before. And it's really hard. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed that. I hope you continue to enjoy reading Citizen Fan. If you'd like to contact Sheena, you can find all of her details in the show notes, along with a recap of the advice that she has so kindly shared. Thank you for listening to How to Start Up. I hope these conversations offer you some confidence, encouragement and reassurance that you're on the right track. If you've enjoyed this podcast, I'd be so appreciative if you were to rate, review and subscribe as it will really help other people starting a company discover it. Thank you.